Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You're listening to Sword in Hand Podcast, Bible-believing preaching emanating from Indian Gap Baptist Church deep in the heart of Texas. Definitely not politically correct, but glorifying Jesus Christ in every way. So let's join it in progress. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And talking about Jesus here, it says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. So when Jesus Christ comes near, and this is the end of his ministry, he sees Jerusalem and he cries over it. He starts weeping over Jerusalem. Guys, it's okay for a man to cry. <laughs> Real men cry. There should be things in your life that makes you cry. There should be things going on in your own personal life. Maybe some sin in your life. When you get down and you start praying to the Lord, it should bring some tears to your eyes. Amen. You can't straighten up. There's some family members you might have. There might be some uh, dear friends you might have that you know are going to hell. That should bring some tears to your eyes. And, and he says here, he says, this is what Jesus is saying. If thou hast not thou hast known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Jesus Christ says, there's so many things I want to do for you. So many things that could be done for you. That all the, the wonderful things I could do for you. And Jesus is crying over them because they will not accept him. Not going to take him as king. Jesus Christ knows he's about to get crucified. Jesus Christ knows what's coming. And he's crying bitter tears as he cries over Jerusalem. Verse 43, for the day shall come upon thee. Talking about Jerusalem. And the temple, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and come past thee around, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Now he's talking about the temple, and what you need to understand about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is three things. Jesus Christ is a prophet, Jesus Christ is a priest, and Jesus Christ is a king. Jesus Christ is a prophet of prophets, just like he's a king of kings. What separates Jesus Christ out from all these other fakers is that he prophesied what was going to take place. Muhammad never done a thing like that. Buddha never done something like that. These guys are all fakers. And in, in, in Isaiah, God says, this is how I'm going to prove to you my deity. God says, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it takes place. So when Jesus Christ is prophesying there in verse 44, he says they're not going to leave one stone upon another. He's talking about the temple of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. The Romans through Titus, they came into the temple and the Jews went, went into the temple and they holed up in there. And the Romans came in they destroyed the temple. They destroyed the people underneath there. You know what they did? They had these big stone blocks they built the temple with. And Titus and his Roman soldiers, they took those stones and they pushed them. Just like Jesus Christ said, they pushed them off the temple mount. And they pushed them off. And there wasn't one stone upon another that was left. Just like your Lord and Savior said would happen. Why were they doing that, Brother Keegan? They thought there was gold buried there. They thought there was gold there. Have y'all seen that Velveeta cheese commercial? Where those two prospectors are in there. They're like in an aisle of a grocery store. And they got their little campfire going. And they got their prospector hats on. And they're sitting in there. And they said, it's liquid gold. Have y'all seen that one? And the guy's like, hey, she's trying to get your liquid gold, which is just Velveeta cheese or whatever. And one of the prospectors goes over there, and he gets up there and goes, I claim everything from the glutton section all the way over here. And that girl's looking at him, and she says, gluten? You mean gluten? And he's calling it glutton. And the, uh, the other idiot over there, the other 
other prospector, he's like, hee, 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 you know, laughing. It's all about gold. And see, when they came in there, he's, they wanted to look for that gold, so they pushed all those stones, and they pushed them off the edge, looking for gold. Just like your Lord and Savior said was going to happen, guys. I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about the Bible, and we were talking about how about using the Bible as your final authority. And I said, you know why I believe the Bible is my final authority? Prophecy. Because they'll say, man just wrote that. Yeah, man might have wrote it, but God's hand was in it because of a prophecy in it. This is what separates the Bible from the Koran. Go to the Koran and look for prophecy. This Bible's amazing. The prophecy that's taking place today. Israel, that Israel is a state, that Israel is a nation, is amazing prophecy. The Jews were six million of them wiped out. They should be gone forever. And God brought them from all four corners of the earth just like he said he was going to do. And he brought them up and he became a nation in one day. Just like he said would take place in Isaiah. Who's heard of a nation being born at once? Well, nobody has. Except for when you're in the UN and they vote and Israel became a nation in one vote in one day. Just like 2,000 years ago they said it was going to happen. Guys... This thing's amazing. Your Savior is amazing. What's the, what's the testimony of Jesus Christ? The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. He tells you what's going to happen before it happens. So these temple that Jesus Christ was talking about, as it was destroyed, there were three temples. There's actually two temples, a third one coming. The first temple was Solomon's temple. It was full of gold, and he's had these brass pillars. I preached on those a couple of months ago, and he had these great cherubims that he built gold. Literally, they figured it out, billions of dollars worth of gold all around Solomon's temple. What happened? Israel rejected God. God sent in Nebuchadnezzar. They destroyed the temple, carried all this stuff away. And around Jesus Christ's time, Herod's temple was built. Herod's temple said, that the Bible says it took about 50 years to build it up. And Jesus Christ is looking at it and says, this thing's going to be destroyed. He's talking about his body. But he's also talking about this temple. And that temple was, and that temple was a wonder of the world. Herod had built that for the Jews to appease them. And the Bible talks about there's going to be a third temple built. And if you talk to a Messianic Jew, they believe that. We're waiting for that third temple. And the Bible talks about a third temple being in the millennial kingdom, in the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. The temple will be established. We believe that Antichrist is going to help establish that temple before the tribulation period. And it's going to be a big part of that. But what I want to preach on this morning is God's temple is here today. We know through prophecy that there's a third temple coming, but I'm here to tell you God's temple is here today in this room. Guys, God's temple is you. Turn to 1 Corinthians. Keep your finger here, though, but turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One thing I want to... This this sermon is actually for some of the new Christians. It took me a long time to figure this out. Nobody was uh, preaching this when I was younger, but we we have some new Christians in the building. Some people hadn't known Jesus Christ for very long. And that what I want to teach you this morning is Jesus Christ is in you. And you're the temple of God. God does have a temple today. And it's you. It's your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Well, that's a great verse. Know you not that you're the temple of God? Guys, 
God's dwelling in you. At that time, they had the temple and they came in and did all the sacrifices at the temple. They did all the worshiping of God at the temple. People were praying towards the temple. God resided in the temple when Solomon first built that temple and he started praying to God. Literally thousands, I think it was hundreds of thousands of sheep he was sacrificing to get that temple ready for God. It said there was a cloud descended. The glory of God descended and dwelt into that temple and it ran them out of there. They couldn't stay in there because the glory of God was dwelling in that temple at that time. God's glory was in that temple. Guys, I'm here to tell you today that glory is dwelling in each and every one of you. As Christians. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came in and dwelt to dwell in you through the Holy Spirit. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. What's scary is, is everywhere you're going, God's going. Amen. I'll let that sink in a little bit. Everything you're watching, God's watching. Everything you're hearing, God's hearing it. Verse 17, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That's not destroying going to hell. That's God destroying your flesh, destroying your body. As Christians, we go and do things we shouldn't do, and we go places we carry God where He doesn't want to go, and then we wonder why. Why am I getting sick? Why am I not feeling good? Why? Because God, you're grieving the Holy Spirit that's living in that temple of your body. You're grieving Him. And God gets to putting up with it and putting up with it, and thank God, thank the Lord that He's long suffering. Amen. Because, you know, I should have been wiped out years ago. This brother was just singing. He said, I was singing about singing in the honky-tonk, singing in the bars. Well, he's saved at 10 years old. The Holy Spirit's dwelling in him. He's got God in there. He's taking God into those places. Just like we've carried God into places we shouldn't have carried. You don't think that don't grieve God? You don't think that doesn't put a burden on God to grieve in the Holy Spirit? But thank God. Thank the Lord that he's long-suffering, that he doesn't reach down there and put our candle out. Kill us. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, he should have killed me a long time ago. Things I've looked at. Things I've made him listen to. But we have a gracious and a merciful God. <laughs> Loves us and cares for us and tries to understand and puts up with our foolishness. We've got to be careful. Because now we are the temple of God. They dwell in each one of y'all. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Now, when we get up to singing, God's getting the glory because when we're singing to Jesus Christ, He's hearing everything we're singing. We're singing in the temple. We're singing out of the temple. The temple's doing the worshiping. The temple's doing the singing. All this glory God's getting out of the temple. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? What? Here's a question mark. What? Verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Just in case you want to stop me at the church and say, Hey, Brother Keegan, I'm my own body. I'm my own man. I can do what I want to do. Not anymore. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not only does Jesus Christ have your soul and spirit, He's got your body. Your body belongs to Him. He bought it on the cross of Calvary. He shed His blood for it to purchase you. You belong to Jesus Christ. It's not your, you don't get to make up your mind where you want to go and what you want to do. You belong to God. 
What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Look, for ye are bought with a price. You belong to God. Look, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So in this temple, what God wants you to do is God wants you to glorify him through through this temple. He bought it. He owns it. He gets to do what he wants to do with it. All right, turn back to Luke 19. It's real, real disturbing to me to think about all the things I've let God look at on TV or in a magazine or wherever it might be. It disturbs me that that God has to be grieved by that. Things I've heard, things I've said, you know. God's had to be around that. We should be holy because God is holy. Look at verse 45. Luke chapter 19, verse 45. Now quickly, I know y'all don't believe this, but quickly I'm going to try to show you seven different things that Jesus Christ is going to do in your temple. We've established that Jesus Christ is living in your temple, amen, which is your body. I think I've gave you the verses, right? If you're a Christian, you've got God dwelling in, you, dwelling in you through the Holy Ghost, and you're the temple of God. I gave you the verses. Nobody can argue, amen? amen. All right, make everybody's on the same page. Now, here's what Jesus Christ did with the temple. And what I'm going to preach to you this morning is, this is what Jesus Christ wants to do in your temple. Look at verse 45. And he, Jesus Christ, went into the temple... And began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought. First off, you've got to notice that Jesus Christ went into the temple. The first thing you've got to do, you've got to allow Jesus Christ in the temple. Amen. It's got to be His temple. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as He's knocking at the door of your heart. As He's knocking at the door of your heart, you, He's a gentleman. He's not going to just bust in and do something that he's, that's not His. You've got to allow him in and say, okay, Lord, I allow you to be the Lord of my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. What you're saying is you're my Savior, but you're also my Lord. You control my life. And you allow him in. Then it belongs to him. There's at least two different times Jesus went and cleansed the temple at the first of his ministry. And right here we're reading about it at the last of his ministry. But you'll never find Jesus cleaning out the pagan temples. They were there. The houses of prostitution, the pagan temples. You'll never read where Jesus Christ went and cleaned one of them out. They were there full of sin, amen. Why didn't he go clean them out? Because they don't belong to him. This is his temple. Whenever he comes into you, you belong to him. It's his job to start doing some cleaning. <laughs> but first you've got to let him in. He's a gentleman. That's what I love about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's not going to just bust in. He gently, he's going to knock at your door. Can I come in? Well, boy, when you let him in, boy, he gets busy, doesn't he? Amen. Amen. He gets busy. He don't play around. The Lord, he's, he's a man's man. He don't play around. Notice verse 45. And began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought. Second thing you need to know about Jesus Christ, when he comes into your temple, he's going to start cleaning some stuff up and casting some stuff out of your life. That music you used to love, all of a sudden it's not, you're not going to have a love like you used to have for it. Those things you used, to, you used to long for, those movies you used to love, those books you used to love to read. When Jesus Christ gets in there, he's going to start cleaning that thing out and cleaning this temple out. But you know what's so great about Jesus Christ? He don't do it all at once. He'll clean a little bit here and he'll clean a little bit there and he'll clean a little bit. He don't just turn on the light and you see everything that's dirty in your life. He doesn't clean a little bit here and a little bit there. 
See, when I came down and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I knew I was a sinner, but I didn't realize how big a sinner I was. I, hey, I know I'm a sinner. I go down the aisle, I accept Jesus Christ, and then when the Holy Spirit starts living in me, I'm like, whoa! He starts revealing these little things like, maybe you shouldn't talk like you talk. Things I never thought about. You shouldn't be thinking like you think. And as you mature as a Christian, as the Lord starts cleaning you up, and as you get older as a Christian, you start maturing, and the Lord's doing more and more cleaning on you, there's things that are in your life that are sin that Jesus Christ will point out to you that he would have never pointed out to you when you were a young Christian. You need to grow in Jesus Christ. You need to be letting Jesus Christ clean you up. And where are you at in your life with Jesus Christ cleaning you up? Are you still the same person you were when you were saved as a little kid or as a young teenager or 20 years ago? Are you the same Christian you shouldn't be? Jesus is in there and I'm here to tell you Jesus is trying to clean you up. He is. He's trying to clean you up. But are you letting him? Are you letting him? You know what Jesus Christ did? He came in there and he took the money tables and he took a little court and he dumped the money tables over. So you made my house a house of merchandise. Remember that? The zeal of my house eat me up. I was preaching about that last Sunday a little bit. He dumped that all over there. What Jesus Christ wants you to understand is this temple, this temple is not about material things. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness and joy and peace in the Lord and the Holy Ghost. So what the Bible tells us and what Jesus Christ wants you to know is you don't need to be worried about material things for this temple. What you're, not worried, you're not worried about what am I going to eat? What kind of car am I going to drive? What kind of house am I going to live in? What you need to be worried about is am I righteous? Do I have the joy? Do I have the peace? See, those are spiritual things. It's not about merchandise. It's not about, see, it's not about physical things anymore. This temple's not about, oh, I gotta have the nicest clothes. I gotta have the nicest shoes. Guys, you can be as right with right as God as can be, and you can have holes in your shoes. You can have the cleanest, nicest thousand dollar pair of shoes on your feet and be as naughty and rotten with God as anybody could ever be. It's not an outward appearance, it's an inward. It's not about merchandise. God, he just said it. He's pulled it out. He said, you t- t- get that out of here. That's not about material things. It's about righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit's living in you. He's going to give you, work out of you that peace, that joy, that righteousness. He's going to clean you up. This is Jesus' job, not yours. Your job is to get out of the way. Amen. <laughs> we try to clean ourselves up. It don't work very well, does it? And eventually we have to pray, Lord. I don't want to sin anymore. Whatever sin it might be, I'm tired of doing this. And I keep, I keep trying to stop. I keep trying to stop. And I'm not doing a good job. Lord, will you do it for me? And see what happens in your life. Step off and let the Lord clean you up. John said, he must increase. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. What that, what that tells you is this. Jesus Christ in your life, you must make him important. You must increase him. You must go to church. You must sing about him. You must pray to him. You must be reading about him. You must make Jesus Christ more and more important in your life. And as he's increasing, you'll automatically start decreasing. That's what you want. Now, your pride doesn't want that. Your flesh don't want that. Your flesh will fight that. It's all about me. It's all about me. And the Holy Spirit in you is whispering to your conscience, it's about me. It's about Jesus Christ. I bought you. I own you. I'm going to get the glory out of you. He wants to clean you up. He wants to cast that stuff out. Cast soul therein and them that bought. Look at verse 46. Saying unto them, Jesus Christ said, saying unto them, it is written. He starts quoting the Bible. 
Third thing you need to know is God wants the Bible to be in your heart, to be in this temple quoted. He wants the Word of God being quoted in your, in your temple. He wants it to be read. He wants it to be quoted. You see how a lot of this stuff always goes back to the Word of God? The, the truth is, it, the Word of God is very, 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 very important in your life. Amen. Jesus quoted it every time He did something. Remember I was reading you in Sunday school about Satan tempting Jesus Christ? What did Jesus Christ do? Did He argue with Satan? What did He say? It is written. He's throwing these people out of His temple and what does He say? It is written. But here's the truth. You've got to read it and you've got to know it before you can quote it. Amen. <laughs> the problem is we don't even know what verses to quote because we're not reading it and we don't know it. Well, how do you read it and know it? Daily you need to be reading your Bible and you want to get to know it, get under some good Bible teaching, good Bible preaching. Amen. You need to be around the Word of God. Jesus Christ, when He goes in the temple, He starts cleaning it out and He starts quoting the Word of God. Are you reading it with me? Okay, I'm not making this stuff up. It's right there. Verse 46, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Notice, my house. He bought it. He belongs to Him. Your body, your temple of God belongs to Jesus Christ. He says, it's my house. I'm cleaning it up. You made it a den of thieves. And it's a house of prayer. The fourth thing you need to know is, the fourth thing you need to know is, you need to make this temple a house of prayer. You need to be praying. You need to be close to the Lord in prayer. You need to be praying in the morning. You need to be trying to pray at lunchtime. You need to be trying to pray in the evening. You can't pray enough. And I'm going to tell you, when I was a young Christian, my sin was I didn't pray. I didn't pray over my food. I didn't pray in the morning. I might go a week, two weeks, a month, and I didn't pray at all. It was real amazing to me when I'd hear the preacher preaching or I'd see some Bible. And it seemed like the Lord always bring me to where the disciples asked Jesus Christ, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. And in my heart, I thought, that's what I need. I need somebody to teach me how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know anything about prayer. Prayer is the most it's the hardest thing to do to show your faith, amen? Because you get down and you start talking, you've got to have faith that somebody's listening to you. You've got to have faith that he's going to hear you. Amen. And you start growing as a Christian, you finally start praying, and you're, when you're praying as a young Christian, you start praying, me, 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 me. And as you grow as a Christian, you start, start turning around and saying, others, others, others. Heal up so-and-so, help so-and-so. Heal up so-and-so, be with so-and-so. And then you put yourself on the last of that list. That's real prayer. That's a house of prayer. Guys, your temple should be a house. It's a sin not to pray. Are you praying like you should? Are you praying like you should? Verse 47. And he taught daily in the temple. After Jesus Christ starts cleaning it up and after he's telling them, this is my house, I'm going to make it a house of prayer, I want you to pray, what happens in verse 47? And he taught daily in the temple. Jesus Christ wants to teach you daily something. Jesus Christ daily wants to teach you how to live like God. He wants to teach you this stuff. He wants to teach you how to love your enemies. He wants to teach you how to forgive your enemies. He wants to teach you about loving on others. He wants you to teach you how to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God wants to, Jesus wants to teach you all this stuff daily. And daily in your temple, he's going to be pointing stuff out through the Holy Spirit. You need to do this or you need to do that. But you've got to listen to him. When somebody's teaching, there's got to be a listener. Amen? Amen. 
And it's not enough just to say it. Don't you have kids? What do we say to tell our kids? Did you hear me? Are you listening to me? And they're looking you right in the face. And you can see on their face they're not listening to you and they don't hear you, amen. Did you hear what I said to you? And you know their ears are hearing it, but their mind's not processing it. So maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart and been touching your heart about different little things in your life. Maybe you need to start doing those things. You know what Jesus Christ said? One of the verses I would like to cut out of my Bible, if I could. Jesus Christ says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do those things I tell you to do? Ooh, ouch. Mm. Lord, Lord. Yeah, but why do you call me Lord, and you're not doing those things I tell you to do? You're calling me the Lord of your life, but you don't let me lead your life. I'm in your temple. I'm in the temple. It's my temple. I'm trying to run things and you're not listening. And it says here, verse 47, but the chief priests and the scribes and the, uh, scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. The sixth thing you need to know is when you start letting Jesus Christ run your temple, when you start letting Jesus Christ run your life, the world's going to hate you and hate it and hate Jesus Christ. Yes, get ready for it. Because you're going to be weird to them. You're going to be peculiar to them. Guys, if you start living for Jesus Christ like the Lord wants to live, you allow Jesus Christ to live in your life, you're going to have people hate you. You know why, I'm not, you know why more and more people don't hate us? Because we don't live like Jesus Christ. That's true. Because if we lived like Jesus Christ, there'd be people that hate us. You've got to be careful of those people that, that's walking around that everybody's talking good about. Why? Because they're two-faced. Because they're telling one person, one person what they want to hear, and they're telling this other person what they want to hear, and it's the total opposite. You know those people what I'm talking about. At work, we call them rear-end kissers. They're always behind the boss. And as soon as the boss walks out, that's not the way I would run things. I'll tell you right now. Amen. I'm around guys like that all the time. If you're doing what the Lord wants you to do and allowing the Lord to work in your temple, guys, you're going to be strange and people are going to hate you. But the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. They're going to want to destroy Jesus Christ that's in you. All right, the last thing, verse 48. And could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. But they couldn't destroy Jesus for what reason? Because the people were attentive to hear him. You just keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and everything's going to be okay. Uh, Joker likes to say this to me all the time at work. He goes, you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk on water. Amen. It don't matter where you're at in your life. If you'll keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and be attentive to what he's trying to tell you, Jesus Christ will give you peace and joy. It don't matter if you get thrown in jail. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. And you'll have all the peace and joy you could ever want. If you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Guys, I go visiting uh, some people in jail sometimes. And I've, uh, I've told you this story before, but there's a girl up in jail. And we went over there and we were sitting in the, I was sitting in the, Waiting room to get into the jail, and it's behind the glass, and all these people are in the waiting room. They weren't in jail, they're just in the waiting room, and they're just, oh, just looking at each other like, I was like, man, I'm gonna have to fight my way out of here. Then I get into the, into the visitation room, and she, this girl's behind the other side of the glass. I go in and talk to her, and she's got this big beaming smile. Her face is glowing, and she's so, I'm so happy. Jesus Christ has been so good to me. And I told her, You have more peace and joy on the other side of the glass than all these people on this side of the glass, and they're not in jail. What's the secret? Jesus Christ. Amen. She was allowing Jesus Christ to come into his temple and do the things he wanted to do in his temple, which was her body. 
You start feeling down. You start feeling like your walk's not where it should be with Jesus Christ. You know what you simply need to do? You need to just turn it over to Jesus Christ. When I was really down and was really down and out and was talking to a dear brother in Christ, that's what he told me. He said, Kigan, he goes, I don't have the answers to your problem, but I'll tell you this. What you need to do is this. You need to fall back in love with Jesus Christ. And that's what this brother coming up, this brother coming up here singing this morning, that makes me just fall that much more in love with Jesus Christ. It reminds me of how good Jesus Christ is. How great he is. That he would love this old wretched sinner. That he cares about me. And that he saves me and saved me even though he knows how wicked I'm going to be. He knows all the stuff about me and he still loves me and saved me. Guys, that's a love I don't have. But I want to thank Jesus Christ for it. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're underneath the sound of my voice, you don't know if you're going to go to heaven or hell. I'm here to tell you, you can know you can go to heaven. If you'll come to Jesus Christ the best way you know how and say, you know what, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need Jesus Christ, and I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. I believe he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. If you believe in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and you're willing to repent, you're willing to say, you know what, I shouldn't have been doing it. I shouldn't be doing the things I should do. I want to come to Jesus Christ. I know I'm a sinner. You know what the Bible says? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He'll save you just like he saved me. I'm not telling you you're going to be perfect. I'm not telling you your life is going to get better. I'm not telling you all these great things are going to happen. But I can tell you this and assure you this. You'll know where you're going when you take your last breath. And there's some kind of peace that God gives you through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that when you know you take your last breath, you're going to heaven, there's a peace that He gives you that's unexplainable. And you can't get it anywhere else. A billion dollars doesn't help a person that's laying on a bed with dying of cancer. But Jesus Christ can give that man peace or that woman peace. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall at Indian Gap Baptist Church. I got a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? Do you realize the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life? And Jesus Christ encouraged us in John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Are you saved? Jesus says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Have you believed in the name of Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 10 verse 13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you think of a time you called on Jesus Christ to save you? Well, if you haven't, friend, I encourage you to get down on your knees and pray as admit you're a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to save you the best way you know how. And I'm here to tell you that he will save you. Now, if you prayed that prayer or if you'd like to get a hold of us, contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com, IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time, God bless.